You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. to up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! Another summer finishes, Ben. Another summer league finishes in Las Vegas. Welcome to Hardwood Radio. Yesterday was the final of the summer league, Ben. And for once, the actual game was, like, interesting to watch, kind of. It was interesting to watch, but, you know, it's summer league. It's good basketballs with played by mostly guys we don't know and we'll never see again until uh, next summer league. But the game was good. I have nothing against. Uh, I have nothing against uh, the quality of the action that was showed in the Vegas. 84-82 for the Bulls. Yeah, the Bulls won something. Maybe it's premonition for this year. We'll see a different formation. But uh, 84-82 over the Timberwolves. Should we take anything out of this, or doesn't, or it, like does it mean anything for the Bulls, or is it just like winning a preseason? trophy that doesn't mean anything in the greater picture no it doesn't mean anything uh, last year the spurs won the summer league and uh, they uh, came crashing and burning in the playoffs the year before it was the sacramento kings so in the greater picture uh no it means nothing at all but in uh, uh more on a more granular level um they have a couple players that did very well um, I'm thinking, uh, amongst others, about um, Denzel Valentine, their first-round pick, who was rumored to have some knee issues uh, coming into this year. Like, it really handicapped his draft stock. And Denzel Valentine played in Summer League, not only played in the final, but he uh, drained two clutch shots in overtime, including uh, the game-winner. So uh, Denzel Valentine turned out to be a quite a good pickup for the Bulls, and will we will see him get some valuable minutes on the second unit this year? I'm pretty sure of that, unless he gets injured again. True. And one of the winners of this summer league is Ben Simmons. We'll talk about them later as well in the other part of it. But what makes him a winner for you in this summer league? Well, he put on display what he was good at. Ben Simmons is a tremendous passer. He is a guy who makes his teammates better. He uh, is a very visually pleasing player uh, to, to, to watch. He's going to do some behind-the-back passes. He's going to throw some blind pig passes behind his head. He can razzle-dazzle. Uh, and he, it's clear now at least how to use him in an NBA setting. Um, he he is the darling of the league of this. He was the darling of the summer league, uh, and is going to be very interesting to see uh, how um, the uh, 76ers are going to respond in order to shape the roster around him. Do you have to shape the roster around him? Is is it? He's either because yeah, number one draft pick overall. He's a highly touted prospect. Is he the type of player, Ben, that you built your team around? Is he that 
good. What I mean, we all know he's good, but is it is his characteristic going to be translatable to the NBA the way we all expect to? Should they build him around him or wait till they prove he proves something on the court? They don't really have a choice. That's the problem with the 76ers this year because um, they underwent the terrible, terrible Sam Hinkie process that led them to a 10-72 and 72 season last year. Um, they were about the worst team in the history of the NBA for the last three years. And now they need an immediate player. They need a savior. And if you have, if Ben Simmons is going to be that savior, uh, if, if you're going to use Ben Simmons, he needs to be that savior for you because he needs to control the offense. If Ben Simmons doesn't control the offense, he loses 75% of his efficiency. Um, the 76ers spent a lot of money getting some point guards in uh, free agency, guys like uh, Sergio Rodriguez from Real Madrid and um, Jared Bayless from Milwaukee. But these guys are merely going to be uh, spot-up shooters around uh, Simmons uh, because it's his team now. The only way uh, I could see Simmons being a support actor and I can tell you it's um, I can tell you it's a very uh, big if is that if Joel Embiid is actually healthy and ready to get going um, this uh, this uh, uh, next season I think it would be good for Simmons to be number two I think it would alleviate some pressure on him that's going to be crushing next year but I that's the only case I would see that do not turn the, the team over to him Yeah, because that's where I was going with it. Because it's the amount of pressure to a kid that, because let's face it, they're still kids when they come out of university with the experience in life and all that. Now, the glitz and glamour of the number one draft pick brings a lot of distraction and a lot of opportunity for you to focus outside of the game. So the first season in the league usually will be indicative of what type of player you are. So I'm thinking of Ben Simmons, but I'm also thinking of a Brendan Ingram, other players that we had discussion that their off-court life can be interesting mm-hmm. once they get to that level. Those are the type of thing we have to take a look at when it comes to uh, the situation in the NBA nowadays. It is, uh, but you got to remember that Ben Simmons has been groomed for the last three years for this moment. He knows he was the first overall pick since he was 15 years old. Since he came to America, he was he was the first in his recruiting class in high school. He was the first pick overall in college. So he is used to have eyes on him. He is very. He might very well be the only member of his draft class to to have been to be so used to scrutiny. But the difference here is that they're not going to be. It's not going to be about his development anymore. It's about to put people in the seats and getting some Ws. That I'm really uh, curious about because Ben Simmons is going to have a lot of challenges uh, next season in regards to that. And one of the the losers of the uh, Summer League is Ben Simmons as well. Ben, what what part of his game did disappoint you? Well, Ben Simmons can't shoot. And not only he (laughs) can't shoot, he doesn't want to shoot. He is so self-conscious about his own shot okay. the first shot. two live shots i've seen from ben simmons were air balls and he did not shot one time after in the <laughs> half every time he had the ball he passed it away and that's going to be a problem 
And it, he might not survive his first encounter with Marc Gasol uh, when oh. they're going to play the Grizzlies. <laughs> you know, that's it. You might be gun shy, the expression where you, you so want to make a good impression. You want everybody to like you. You want your teammates to like you. They say, look at this guy hugging the ball. Now, okay, let's distribute the ball. Let's make everybody happy. He's going to grow into the role, I guess, too. And yeah, but here's the thing. Um, when defenses are going to figure out, and I'm pretty sure they already did, that he doesn't shoot, they're going to play him for the pass, right? They're going to cut the passing lanes. They're going to dare him to shoot. And it's going to get nasty. Like, they're going to short-circuit the offense in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia can't allow that to happen. Uh, by the way, Ben Simmons is my uh, number one sneaky pick uh, this year to get dunked on by DeAndre Jordan. You know, DeAndre Jordan is this monster dunker playing for the... Uh, uh, Los Angeles Clippers. I think that um, Ben Simmons, since he plays in the front court, might get himself in the wrong place uh, in the wrong time next season and get bowled over by uh, DeAndre Jordan. Now, another loser that you found in this year's summer league, Jimmy Jimmer, the Jimmer for that. Jimmer, yeah, uh, our our poor Jimmer, our poor friend Jimmer, who played. Uh, for the Kings, for the Bulls, for the Pelicans, for the Knicks, uh, on a very uh, forgettable 10 days contracts, and on the Spurs, uh, all of that since uh, 2011. If uh, the listeners uh, don't know who Jimmer Fredette is, he was this superstar in BYU in college. Uh, he used to shoot 30, 30 a game, uh, put 20, uh, 20 points, 10 assists. He was a superstar in college, but he was never disciplined and he was never big and physical enough to make a difference uh, at, uh, at the pro level because he's a very small shooting guard. He's 6'2". If, if you're shooting guard under 6'4 in the NBA, you better be the meanest, most physical guy in uh, the game. Uh, like... Um, Denver Nuggets own uh, Gary Harris. Gary Harris is six two and a half, and he is just about the meanest guy on the court. He's like a bulldog. So Jimmer had a summer league try with the Nuggets this year, right? And he proved again that he cannot pick his shots. Like every time he had the ball, he shot. Every time, like he shot, I think. Uh, on average, 22 times a game in summer league. That's way too much. I don't care how much shots you make, Jimmer. Um, it's like the point is not to wow the uh, is not to wow the crowd with how many points you make. The point is to show that you can play within the system, right? And I know some guys in the um, Denver Nuggets uh, front office, and nobody was impressed with Jimmer. <laughs> Nobody was impressed with his performance, and I hope for him that he bites the bullet and goes plays in Europe this year because he's he's headed for the D League again. <laughs> it's like the guy who always try, who always has the good attitude. I'll make it. I'll make it. Come on, give me a shot, but just always falls just a little bit short every time. But that is the definition of insanity, right? You try doing the same thing the same way over and over again and expect a different result. Teams don't want Jim Rufferdett to shoot 20 times a game. They want him to shoot three or four times a game uh, on open shots created by a good point guard. 
and he just cannot get that in his head. He just cannot show any leadership, and uh, that is going to cost him uh, his NBA career eventually. And, and in today's game, where every possession, every ball you shoot, you kind of need to make because the amount of points racked in today's game is really high, mm-hmm. and you kind of need your shooting percentage to be way up there if you want to take those 22 shots like you want to, but you need to think about the other ones to, to be disciplined the amount of shots you take and the shot you take need to be high percentage shot and good looks on that which not necessarily the case all the time and the example you mentioned reminds me of a little bit of JV or Biombo with the Raptors la- last year in the playoffs where they were not taking 20 shots a game they were only taking three four five when they had no other options and they were draining it and it was helping the team but their role was not to be the ones taking all the shots. So it's a little bit similar maybe with for that that he needs to get into that role to just, no, don't take the shots. Give it to somebody else. Yeah. Um, and he can't play defense unlike JV and uh, Biombo, which is going to be a, a huge problem. Uh, JV and Biombo are frontcourt players. They're big. They're strong. Jimmer is 6-2 uh, in, in NBA where guards are, where shooting guards are an average 6'6", six, six. and yeah, he, he he needs to accept that he's going to be a rot- forever a rotation player that's going to be a, a ninth or a, a tenth man in a rotation, and I think I don't think Jimmer is there yet. I don't think he, he's evolved to the point he, where he realizes that he's going to be a role player in the NBA, nothing more. What did the Celtics do to disappoint you in this summer league? Um, they exactly came out like I thought they would. They have a lot of good, talented player. Um, they have a lot of player under contract, and it just didn't add up. Like these guys, or they all attack the rim, or um, they don't. They can't. Or the, the guys, they all play defense. There's not that many shooters. Um, there's not that many. Uh, there's not that many players who can slip into the roles. A lot of immature player, and I was really not impressed on how uh, incohesive it was. And these guys, I think seven of these guys are going straight into the Celtics lineup next year. I think Danny Ainge has a trade to make. I think um, he has way too many assets that are exactly similar to one another. And uh, the, he, he needs to make, even if, he gets a, even if he gets a superstar or not, or an all-star or whatever, he needs to make space for a cohesive roster, which he doesn't have right now. Now, we're in the offseason, Ben. It's getting to the uh, part of the offseason where it's getting quieter. This year, there's the Olympics in a few weeks from now. And uh, if you didn't know, well, unfortunately, our home nation of Canada lost in the final of the qualifiers of FIBA versus France. So, they won't be in Rio. France will. Uh, what is your thought on the basketball tournament in Rio? And how important do you think it's going to be that a lot of key players for the United States won't be there. When you're talking about uh, the Zika and other health-related issues, a lot of players have declined the invitation from both USA Basketball and other countries. So what are your thoughts on the Olympic basketball? Well, I'm already, I'm, all, I'm only starting to get into Olympic basketball uh, for this summer because, um, honestly, most NBA players don't care about uh, international basketball. 
because it's always been the same thing for over, I think, five decades. USA has always won everything. Um, I don't think I, I don't think it's going to be a big of a change that too big of a change that the uh, Zika has turned down so many players this year um, because um, it has turned down so many players from other countries as well. Uh, the Gasol brothers are not going to uh, the Gas the Gasol brothers are not going to be um, there either, which is going to make pretty much neuter uh, Spain. Um, France is running on uh, an old Tony Parker, an old Boris Dia, um, and a very young and uh, a very young and um, dynamic Rudy Gobert. So I was looking at the uh, at the two groups today, and I'm not impressed. I'm not. I don't. I think that. Uh, it's going to be between USA, Argentina, and um, Spain, and maybe China is going to uh, make a surprise appearance in the uh, later rounds. But I think USA is going to run away with it against this year without right. without much of a problem. No, it's, it's not. It's not the best team that ever was uh, team USA that ever was, but it's miles ahead of competition. No, true. Like, and we're far from the days of the 1992 and 1996 dream team of USA basketball because yeah. the rest of the world have caught, has caught up in the world of basketball. The gap is still exists, but there's a difference. And let's face it, the top players for the United States are not going to be there. Steph Curry, LeBron James, those are all names that you're not going to see representing the United States at Rio. So it, it does give an opportunity for, like you mentioned, Spain, Argentina, even countries on the brink like a Rio that is, well, Brazil, I mean, that is not necessarily known as a powerhouse, but they have been working hard on their program because of Rio. So you never know what can happen. And the tournament is a bit more wide open than it has been in the, in the past. It is, but like I said, it's wide open for the silver and the bronze medal. Yes. Like, I cannot tell you uh, who between Argentina, Spain, France, and maybe Brazil is going to win uh, these two medals. Um, it's really uh, interesting that you mentioned uh, Argentina. They're really good. But, you know, when your best players are like... Um, Pablo Prigioni and Facundo Campuzzo, who I really like, by the way. I mean, Kyle Lowry and uh, Jimmy Butler are going to wolf these poor guys down. It's not going to be even a contest. Like Jimmy yeah. Butler is probably going to start for Team USA, and Demarcus Cousins, Carmelo Anthony. It's going to be it's going to be nasty in Rio, but it's going to be fun to watch Team USA have some fun on the court. That's for sure. And now uh, has uh, one of your off-season plans as well. You have the word suffering. Can you elaborate a little bit then? Well, here's the thing. Like, Summer League finished last uh, finished yesterday. And whenever Summer League finishes, usually it means a forever long drought of basketball until uh, media day, which is uh, usually on September 30th. This is the day where... Um, where uh, teams face the media with yep. show their new roster and uh, answer some questions for the upcoming season. It's the first day of training camp. And I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> until then. I'm going to watch the Olympic <laughs> at tournament. Least, yeah, at sure. least there's the Olympics this year, which will give uh, you uh, three weeks of uh, intense sports between that. 
And I'm sure it's going to be interesting to have some uh, to have some. It's going to be it's going to be some European basketball here and there. Um, there's there's all they always have something going on over there. They have uh, the rookies, the rookies, uh, the under 20 and the under 17. I think they're playing all summer long. So there's going to be some events I might try to chase on the internet on like very shady Russian television feeds. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I'm I'm just going to suffer. Well, I have I'm to. Just... You have to know everything Russian right now is kind of shady, anyways. In the, uh, yeah, in the world of sports, about, let, let's talk about this for a while. Did you see? Yeah, we what, did a special show uh, what today. The, the Olympic Committee has decided about the, to do about Russia. Yeah, this morning. Well, the, the, this morning they announced the the, the creation of a, uh, of a of a commission that's going to take a look and uh, decide what they legally they can and cannot do. So um, I didn't see the last two hours. So if something happened in the last two hours, but uh, no, the the demand is to ban the whole entire Russian Federation. The IOC is looking what they can and cannot do legally regarding well, that situation. The, the IOC is saying that, but they don't want to ban Russia. They no. don't want to ban Russia they, for, they don't. from the Olympics. Like I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Vladimir Putin is like backloading some truck of monies into a. Well, you, you're saying the, this, and it's kind of uh, interesting you say this because uh, the thing is, it's WADA is the World Anti-Doping Association mm-hmm. that has given his recommendation of banning the entire federation for the IOC. The International Athletics Association Federation, better known as the track and field organization in the entire world, already has banned Russia in all track and field events for Rio. So that okay. has already taken effect. This is going to continue to be the case for Rio. But the International Athletes Committee, which is presided by Becky Scott, former Canadian athlete, as well, which was screwed by uh, doping in her career. She finished fourth, but actually won that race because the first three got disqualified for doping. So that's the kind of uh, athlete she knows what is the world of doping. She knows what's the Mm -hmm. ramification, being a victim of all that. And she, as well as the entire athletes organizations, uh, decided to back that demand and ask for the entire Russian Federation to be banned as well. But the IOC this morning... Uh, said that, look, they're really looking strongly at what they can do. Right now, they're not banning it. They're not saying they're not going to ban it. They say it's still on the table, but we need to legally look at what they can do because it's at that level. It's legally, it's not necessarily easy to uh, uh, implement a ban and be able to justify it in a court of law. Well, who's going to sue them? The government of Brazil? Well, I mean, exactly, I mean yeah. what, what, what court can they take that to? Uh, the court of the, uh, the Tribunal Arbitral du Sport in Lausanne. But okay. this is where this is why the McLaren report that came out yesterday becomes really important because it was made to be uh, sustainable in a court of law. It was meant to be sustainable scrutiny. Scrutiny. So it's so deep and so well uh, uh, written and so well investigated that it will hold up in a court of law. So best case, worst case scenario, I still feel Russia needs to be banned. Like to to make it short. Russia needs to be mad for the Olympics. If you look at all what happened with the McLaren report, so if you are actually uh, enjoying this conversation here on Arbor Radio, listen to Five Rings Podcast on the network today. We go deep in the conversation with 15 minutes of the press conference of Mr. McLaren yesterday from Toronto. But yeah, Russia needs to be banned then. Yeah, well, I don't doubt it. I mean, I'm not surprised that when they had the Olympic Games on their own turf, they juiced just about everyone. No, no um, not just that, Ben. It's like in the movies. Like in It's a Mission Impossible, James Bond type of movies. They have like special rooms with special doors to put the samples through to go from the uh, sealed room that all the samples are to 
the clean samples, it would switch. It's literally like a spy movie. It's, it's totally crazy. The KGB was involved. Like the FSB is involved, which is it's mind boggling. That's that that that's unfair, but that's kind of awesome. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's awesome in a 1980s Cold War spy type of novel. And I will tell you, I made my research on this. Only one Russian athlete was suspended for doping in basketball. And uh, uh, only one? It's kind of a shady, the fact that it's only one. <laughs> yes, but like I, had the, I saw the official number. It went up to 12 in some sports. But basketball was one of the last sports in the because well, face it, basketball was never a very big uh, thing for Russia. They have a very good team, uh, CSKA Moscow, uh, who is uh, who has won I think summer league again. They have summer league, pardon me, Euroleague again this year. But uh, as far as homegrown basketball players, their teams like their teams never recovered from uh, the. Yeah. Uh, the end of the USSR. No, exactly. They never really recovered from the Cold War. And one thing that can help you go through the summer days, Ben, uh, with basketball is uh, 2K. You can play uh, 2K again still and try to uh, better your draft position as first overall. I did. I, I started a new, a new career with a, my player, um, and I got drafted 11th by the Pacers. Not bad. Which I like because I like the Pacers. I like Paul George and... Um, Paul George, Paul George is a very good player on the pressures, except he never shoots. I don't know if you had this problem in 2K, but <laughs> the wing players never shoot. With the, with the, with the uh, Spurs, it's the same thing with Kawhi Leonard. Like you pass the ball to Kawhi Leonard, he jab steps, and he just stays there. And he just <laughs> waits for you to, take a, to, to do a cut and pass the ball back to you. It's really frustrating. But uh, there are some good players on that team. Chase Budinger. Who doesn't play for? Ironically, doesn't play for the Pacers anymore. Yeah. Who who is a very good catch and shoot player? There's Miles Turner, who is a beast down the post. But I got I think 11 games, 11 or 12 games played. I'm like eight and four. Not bad. So I uh, so I am going to try to make the playoffs and beat LeBron James in Cleveland this year. <laughs> that's that's my goal before November that I, I make it to the playoff and beat the Cavaliers. Yeah, I, I've been playing a lot of 2Ks. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of new 2K players as well because if you are a PlayStation Plus member, in the month of June, it was a free game. It was the biggest free game in the history of PlayStation, a huge game they gave for free for their subscribers. So there's a lot of new game uh, gamer in NBA 2K. You can add me on PlayStation 4. Same as my Twitter handle, at Kev Larme, and I will give you a beating on the court, and as well as I will commentate it while I'm doing it. So if you want to have fun, and uh, this sounds like fun to you, add me on PlayStation. Nice. I would, if I had a PS4, I have a PS3 at home. Uh, my, my handle, Ben Lovely. Uh, uh, if you want the beating on PS3 on uh, 2K16, well, I'm, I'm your guy. Prospect of the week to finish the show, Ben, as always, Jason yes, Tatum. Yes, sir. Uh, Jason Tatum is another member of the fearsome, fearsome uh, Duke squad in 2016-17. We have discussed Harry Giles a couple of weeks ago, who is uh, a potential uh, first overall draft pick next year. Uh, but Jason Tatum will be his number two. Um, he's a wing player. He is um, not even half the athlete that Josh Jackson, the other potential number one uh, pick next year, is. 
Josh Jackson is this complete animal, this machine, this Terminator wing player that plays for um, that will play for Kansas. It's not he doesn't have a LeBron James athleticism, but almost. He's not as big as LeBron James, but almost. But Jason Tatum. He's more of a Brandon Ingram type of player, which is weird because Ingram has played for Duke last year, and these guys are strangely similar. They're both 6'9", they're both wing players, they're both very skill-oriented. They're not explosive guys, uh, although I'll give to Tatum that he's really quick. He really has a, what you know what they call a fast-switch muscle? He can separate from his guy. He's like boom, like this. He's he he uh, he has really that uh, speed advantage. Um, it's going. It's good. He likes to play down low. He likes to post players up because he's taller than them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them next year because uh, guys are going to be a lot bigger in uh, college. Uh, another interesting thing is not going to be in the number one option. Uh, in Duke, Harry Giles is going to be uh, is going to be in front of him. There's also a senior in the front court in Duke called uh, named Emil Jefferson, who's going to get a lot of touches. Grayson Allen is going to be there. So there's so much talent in that Duke squad that I don't know how Coach K is going to handle it. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to make it work together. But Jason Tatum. Uh, if you're really, if you're looking for a guy who can make his own shot, if you're looking for a guy who can uh, get you some intense offense, instant in, in offense, that's your guy. That's 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 the guy you want on the court. So I think he's going to see a lot of more minutes if Harry Giles uh, is injured, like a lot of people think he will. But um, he he he's going to be interesting to see if he can develop as advertised in a, such an overcrowded uh, such an overcrowded team like Duke Dix, mm-hmm. Duke next year they're overcrowded with talent it's insane. So you're saying that uh, if you have long odds already for March Madness success next year, take Duke already because uh, there's a high probability they'll go far in the tournament. Um, it depends. They might very well implode in within a few weeks of the season because there's too many egos. But on paper, today, I really like their chances. I really, really like their chances. The, the big senior classes of Kansas and Michigan State have graduated. Denzel Valentine plays in the NBA now. He made a big impression in the summer league. Um, the uh, the Kansas seniors both went of undrafted and will probably not play in the NBA next year. So Oof. there's going to be a lot of new athletic talent, and there's there it's a, it's this kind of freshman team that just makes it through and uh, and wins the whole tournament. Like ultimately in college. Talent trumps experience, unfortunately. Uh, experience will only get you so far, yeah. but talent is what separates you from uh, from uh, everybody else. And I think that uh, Duke is too big to fail. All right, Ben, I'll let you go to your uh, to your 2K game, and uh, <laughs> we're getting into the the lull of the season. So, how about next week we come back with one of our top whatever, top five, top ten that we used to do at the beginning of uh, of Hardwood Radio where we have a little more substance because 
yes, like you mentioned, now is a time of the season where players are getting into vacation mode or training mode, but nothing actually is happening right now. Oh, we will find ways to keep you entertained, guys, oh, during the offseason. Sure. I will need this podcast for my own sanity. <laughs> and uh, we will um, we'll maybe even go over uh, team by team, uh, nice. see how the power structures have been uh, changed in the NBA. Uh, there's about 15 weeks uh, upcoming, so there's a lot of things to discuss to prepare for the next offseasons. I hope you geeks are ready. Oh, we're always ready. And until then, Ben, have a great basketball. You too, man. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com. <laughs>